Now let's turn to our next exit interview. Here we are talking to Phoenicians who left. Whether for a better opportunity, a cooler scene, a new start, we're trying to find out why so many people who have made their mark here leave. In Phoenix, it's not cool to say you're from Phoenix. Like, I'm guilty of that too. Anybody that told me that they were born and raised in Phoenix and then they're in their 30s, I'm like, what are you doing here? You leave. <laughs> I don't trust you at all. You are and have been for your entire life so entrenched in this place. Um, you know, what did it take to, to get you to move? What's that been like? Well, what it really took is a pandemic. Huh? My body sort of had like this fight or flight response. And I was like, man, I got to get out of this country. Like this country is not built for us. I wanted a challenge. I wanted to grow. And people say in New York, that's if you can survive there, <laughs> you can live anywhere. You think you'll ever come back? I will never say never. I really can't say what's going to happen in the future, but I, I'm not letting go of Phoenix. What kept me here was the people. I was fortunate enough to meet some wonderful individuals, genuine, really good people. Today, we head south of the border to meet Yvonne Watterson in a tiny Mexican town outside of Guadalajara called Ajijic. It's a slow place. Every day, I mean, strangers smile. They say, buenos dias. The church bells ring. There's roosters crowing every morning. <laughs> uh, it is a picturesque place full of expats from around the world, just like her. It's noisy. <laughs> Family's important. It feels very safe to me. I, you know, I love it. As you might guess from her accent, Watterson didn't grow up in Ahihik or in Phoenix. In fact, she's from a very different part of the world, Northern Ireland. I was born in 1963, so essentially I'm a child of the Troubles. And so the Northern Ireland of my childhood was really um, a very gray, rainy, undivided place. You know, our schools were segregated. You know, people would see it in the news in the United States, I'm sure. You know, bombings and, I mean, it, terrorism. Growing up surrounded by violence and conflict, she knew she would leave from a young age. And in college, she finally got her chance. I got a job upstate New York one summer, and it was fantastic, and I just loved it. And as it turned out, I had relatives there who invited me back and took me on a road trip to Phoenix. And it was in the early spring, so I thought, oh my God, this weather's amazing. <laughs> I have to come back. <laughs> She did come back, even if her ideas of what living in Phoenix would be like didn't quite live up to reality. For me, it just presented this, this opportunity that I could escape kind of the rain and the troubles and the unemployment and all of that. And, you know, and I thought that I'd come back and get a convertible and you know, <laughs> ride in a freeway, listening to Tom Petty or something, you know. <laughs> She had a long career here in public education, teaching in several districts before becoming a high school principal and turnaround specialist. She married here and raised a daughter in a home they bought in central Phoenix. She had a good life in Phoenix, but everything changed for her on September 11, 2001. When I turned on the news that morning, it was just that, that sickening feeling, a feeling of fear and revulsion. I thought, oh God, no, how could this possibly happen in the place 
where it's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask anybody from Northern Ireland at that time, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, if you hear a car backfiring, you know, you'll think, is that a bomb? Even though you went about your daily life, because as strange as it sounds, I mean, there was a level of, of normalcy about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you grew accustomed to it. But I never expected that to happen in the United States. And it was kind of like that fear came back again. Then in 2006, she was principal at Gateway Early College High School in Phoenix. And Arizona voters overwhelmingly voted for Prop 300, taking away in-state tuition from undocumented students in the state. It directly impacted her students, 38 of them to be exact, some of whom didn't know they were undocumented. She had to tell them. I thought, well, obviously people don't know what they voted for. I mean, this is how naive I was. And I thought people really don't realize that by voting for Prop 300, they're denying these kids, these minors of their education. I mean, I thought Ed McMahon was going to show up with one of those great big checks so that I could pay for the tuition for the kids. I really did. Turns out people did know what they voted for. And when she spoke out about the plight of her students in the Arizona Republic and worked to raise money to help pay for their tuition, she faced immediate backlash. The emails I received were just, it was, it was stunning to me. Hmm. Um, everything from, you know, you should go back to where you came from, um, you know, we wish you were dead. <laughs> you know, wow. things like, it was just terrible. It was absolutely terrible. She did raise the money, but the experience left her with a bad taste in her mouth and a diminished view of Phoenix and America. You know, I still remember the image of, you know, the empty seats at graduation of the kids who had been deported. And it was just, I, I remember thinking, what was it about me that made me more acceptable as an immigrant than these kids. Hmm. Because the truth is that when I came to the United States, I didn't have, I overstayed my visa. Hmm. And I married an American. And, you know, the laws were, were different then. But, you, you know, I, I don't think anyone was going to pull me over when I, you know, if I was speeding. I used to say to the kids, you're not leaving campus at lunchtime. Because I, I was afraid that they would be, you know, profiled and, and deported because yeah. they didn't have... Um, documentation that somehow legitimized them. What did that make you, that experience, make you think about America, about Arizona and Phoenix in particular? How did it make you feel? Well, it made me feel that, and and I don't know if if this makes sense, I remember thinking, well, I'm still looking for America. I remember thinking that. Mm -hmm. I, I remember thinking, you know, just the idea of America, you know, the notion of America, because it's a fantastic notion. And I thought it belonged to everyone. Yeah. I thought it was within everyone's grasp. And, and I remember this sickening realization that actually, no, it doesn't belong to everyone. And people would say things like, these kids need to go back to where they came from and they need to go back to the back of the line. But there was no line. You know, they had no, they just had no options. And it was very difficult to explain that to people um, mm-hmm. who, who essentially dehumanized them. You know, it was, it was very disheartening. And I just felt, uh, you know, I don't know if guilt, it was almost like a weird guilt. You know, why am I, why am I acceptable as an immigrant who actually did not follow the steps? Mm-hmm. I didn't. But, 
I was able to stay. So so you left. You went through some personal struggles, it sounds like, a breast cancer diagnosis. I know your husband passed away. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you said you were thinking about going home to Ireland, but you ended up in a small town in Mexico instead. How did this happen? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I did. I thought about going back home. And, you know, my grandmother used to say to us when, when we were little, follow the sun. And I have to tell you, there's something about waking up every day to sunshine, which I did enjoy in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to go back home to the rain. I mean, I truly didn't. And then one night, my my boyfriend and I were out in Phoenix at um, Me Patio, a place that we frequented. And uh, we were sitting at the bar and uh, there there was a guy sitting there and and he he overheard us talking. And uh, I think I must have been talking about back home or van morrison or something and he joined in the conversation and then he said to me well you know there's this place that you should visit this magical place and i said really and he spelled it he spelled a-j-i-j-i-c and you know there was just something about the way he said it and i thought well tell me more about this place and so you know as if i have a sense of direction he started to explain to me where it was in relation to guadalajara and i had no idea I'm one of the few people in Arizona who had never been to Rocky Point. I mean, I'd never been to Mexico wow, ever. Yeah. You know, so it was fascinating. And he said, you know, it's got the perfect climate and it's a very welcoming place and you'll love it. And he said, and you know what? I own a hotel there and you guys can come and be my guest. <laughs> and I'm thinking this is crazy. But uh, sure enough, we went home and we found the hotel online and we... We made a reservation (laughs) and came down here for my 55th birthday. And it was, oh my gosh, it was just fantastic. And I, and it was really, it was so interesting because, you know, I'm walking these, these cobblestone streets and I just felt like my feet were on familiar territory and I felt hopeful bizarrely in the in the way that I had when I'd come to the United States for the first time in the summer of 1984 with my backpack and my Sony Walkman you know (laughs) and uh it it just you know it was it was really lovely and we came back for I think around the 4th of July and then we came back on day of the for day of the dead Mm. and I thought oh this is it this is (laughs) I mean this is where I want to be you know and I mean, maybe that idea that I was talking about, that that dream of America, you know, maybe it, it isn't necessarily a place on a map. Hmm. So final question for you then, Yvonne. Yeah. I mean, looking back on, on Phoenix in particular and America in general, now that you've left and you're in this place that you love, what are your thoughts? What are, what are the things that stick out in your mind? Truly incredible sadness about the loss, the loss of innocence over and over again, particularly with mass shootings. It's just, uh, you know, watching it here on the news from afar Mm -hmm. feels very like the way it used to feel when I first came to the United States and I would watch the scenes from Northern Ireland play out on the news before the Good Friday Agreement. It's the same feeling. It makes me feel very uncertain about the future. You know, I have a daughter who lives there and I worry about her. I remember when I had her in 1997, I thought that she would be safe in the United States. And I fear that that she's not mm-hmm. and that many people are not. So 
that's you know how I feel and having said that when I go back to Phoenix and drive up to Sedona I mean the the beauty of the place it's breathtaking and you know just to know that you have that incredible beauty and all the opportunity and all the potential but at the same time I think there's a feeling of just waiting for the other shoe to drop Mm. and just how bad is it going to get before there are serious changes made. Yvonne Watterson, thank you so much for telling us your story. Oh, well, thanks very much for having me. listening to Exit Interview. An earlier version of this story appeared on KJZZ's The Show. If you liked this episode, subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Exit Interview is a KJZZ original production. This episode was written, produced, and hosted by me, Lauren Gilger. It was co-produced by Nick Sanchez, and our executive producer is Amy Silverman. Until next time, thanks for listening. 